some things we can undo. You just in the pen, I can find you. Six one on the money, nine two. You just said a word and I run through. Two texts, no reply, that's when I knew. I knew, I knew, yeah, I knew. Talk, church talk, I can make a brick walk. Up north, down south, bank here to Rachel walk. Hit it with a little walk. All right, we're... Back again, folks, live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome back to episode 78 of How You Living. Oh, no, because we've taken a couple weeks off, so I didn't even want to play that game because I would probably get it wrong. I was thinking maybe 77. Uh, but welcome, folks, to How You Living, the show recorded live in the Chaz Tower inside the Million Dollar Studios. And I want to ask Van, how are you living? You know what? I'm doing all right. Like I know, I know we don't do callbacks as early, but funny enough, <laughs> callback to the last <laughs> episode about float life. Um, I was in our local Freddy's, and I saw they had this like really big floatable thing with like two backrests and like a sun shield, and I'm just like, yeah, I've done that with friends. I was like, wait, why haven't we motherfucking bought this? And taking that shit out on Green Lake. And I just thought about that today when I was at Green Lake. And I'm just like... Yeah. And I mean, as an amendment to my uh, float life, since I'm doing uh, mostly Green Lake and then, you know, I might pop into Lake Union and a kayak before the summer's over. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would say uh, I found out recently if it's like a, a small trolling motor, you can have it on Green Lake. So oh, snap. if I could get some type of like flotation raft that I can affix that to, we could have a power source to then like attach a couple t- uh, tubes and then someone would man the the raft. And oh, could, snap, you yeah. Could, you could go out around Green Lake with, with a little bit of mo, so you don't have to have someone just kicking in the back. Oh, yeah, oh, shit. Because that's like the move at Green Lake since it's like very small motors. It's not like your outboards. It's trolling only. And then most people there don't have motors. Mm-hmm. So usually you just take your tube and you lay on it flat and you just kick and like try and get as far out as you can before mm-hmm. you just sit in it and then you'll end up floating to one of the sides. Oh, yeah. And then uh, and it's at least it's only like a two mile walk if you had to walk like the whole thing mm-hmm. halfway back around. Uh, so but uh yeah, and so it, it I've now I've got this dream. I don't know if I'll make it happen by this summer, but uh stay tuned, you know, for the uh the Green Lake trolling motor raft. Yeah, uh, that'd be legit. I think I I mean I, I definitely think I would have to have like life jackets so there's like a lot of other things going on when you start like having a powered motorcraft. So uh Well, this is the season to get it. Well what I'm saying is like we're heading into like, you know, the last dredges of summer, so you know all the department stores and sporting goods stores are gonna start selling those sort of things at discount. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I gotta get. <laughs> Chaz is advising me to get motors on the cheap, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, on a discount because capitalism. <laughs> motors on the cheap. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So, segment continues. Um, outside of that, we obviously had uh, some maneuvering with uh, some of these candidates. Obviously, you're going to do a deep dive later. Uh, I recently read a poll. I mean, obviously, polls are, you know, bullshit until people get nominated. Indeed. But it looks like Biden's kind of increased his lead the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I saw something around that, too. Like, he recovered uh, from his dip before. Um, to stay abreast with the news more so, y'all, I added, like, a little thing to my homepage on my phone. 
Uh, so I saw something like that. Yeah, and it was that, you know, Kamala took a little bit of a dip this week uh, in, in the gap of those same polls uh, after a pretty meteoric rise from the first couple debates. So mm-hmm. now there's some there's some leveling out with her. Um, she's still in the you know the mix. Oh yeah, she'll be at the next debates. She qualified for that pretty handedly. Yeah. So uh, it's it's interesting to think what's going to happen. You know, with uh, our boy Jay Inslee and Andrew Yang and some of the smaller candidates in the time to go. Uh, will Buttigieg make a, a move, or um, you know how far is he going to take this? Is he costing himself his job in South Bend? By running for this election, you know, is his popularity w- waning there? Uh, <clears throat> you know, time's going to tell uh, where where his support lies when, you know, he doesn't have the nomination in lock or if he is in lock. Yeah. If he's considering, you know, moving on from that position so they can kind of prepare for that. But, uh, yeah, it uh, it's an interesting race. You know, I mean, governors in there, you've got mayors in there, you've got, you know, former uh, district attorneys and uh, current holding citizens or senators. I mean, so it, it's going to be an interesting kind of final push over the next essentially 12 months to the election and what, June for the... For the nomination? For the nomination. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we still have um, a few more debates. I know, I think, one September, one October, one November. Um, I might be, there might be one kind of fused together for November, December. I'm trying to think back. I saw it on Vox before we go into all the primaries and all that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, oh, like Pete Buttigieg, uh, he's been coming out with, like, new, uh, new policy plans and everything. Like, he's definitely... Uh, looking at this uh, CNN poll right now, he he is on that polling at five percent, where I think he was polling a little bit higher previously. So for a minute, yeah, I think right. he was up to like twelve or something. Mm-hmm. But that was like early on, early on he had it. Yeah, spike. and I think the person I'm doing a deep dive on today, Mr. Julian Castro. Um, he, in some of the interviews I heard with him, he was talking about how people saw him at the debate and then they wanted to know more about him. Um, and also, uh, the working families, uh, group out of Texas, um, they're interviewing, I believe six candidates. Julian Castro, I believe was the first interview They're inter I saw a thing where they interviewed a Bernie and I believe the next person is going to be Bill de Blasio. So if you're interested in any of those candidates, you know, go look them up, go listen to them and all that. Uh, some of the things I learned about Julian Castro will be in that, but you know, uh, or be- was from that, I should say. But yeah, so uh, a lot of shakeup in that Democratic race. You know, keep tuning in to the uh, to the debates and and watch their live uh, kind of press conferences and their um, what would you call them support rallies? I guess yeah, support rallies, campaign rallies. Um, yeah. uh, I I don't like using the term rally since uh, Trump's been in office. You know, I mean they're always rallies. I know, I, mean, I know. Yeah, just it's it's like it's poison the waters because he's always mm-hmm. having those awkward. Awkward rallies, <laughs> uh, but people love him in certain places, and he just goes there, and and they love on him. So, whatever. Uh, but yeah, anything else in your world that we've talked about in the past that we want to shed a little light in this opening segment? Chaz? Uh, I guess like I'll use this uh, segment to talk about you know how the presidential race develops and all that, and also when I go back and do some other work on looking at some of the new policies that people bring forth. Um, just, I think John Hickenlooper got out of the race. 
Okay. Uh, but Hickenlooper is a governor, and if you know, if there's a corporate structure to how you should advance in the world of American politics, um, Hickenlooper going from governor to senator uh, seems like a pretty, uh, you know, vertical move that makes sense. And some people, I've only haven't seen anything like media wise other than emails I've gotten uh, from people like the Justice Democrats. But they're saying maybe there should be a push for him to run for Senate because I believe the senator, uh, one of the senators from Colorado is Republican. So if he wants to be a Democrat and do all those things like that'd be a good thing for him to do. So I'll look more into that to see if that becomes a viable thing. But, you know. Yeah. And and shout out to callback to last episode where I read that list as if they were the Saturday Night Live characters. <laughs> yes. And there was some guy from, like, Nigeria in the list. And we, like, we kind of reacted, but we made no comment. It just happened. Uh, shout out to that moment. I have no oh, idea where shit. that list was because that was one of those, like, googling a response articles and it just it, everything seemed legit for the first like 15 that you're lulled into belief and uh and suddenly it, it was like <laughs> muhammad from <laughs> from nigeria uh shout out to that moment that was uh, uh i'm not sure if he's running for president <laughs> um we'll we'll i'll also look into that and <laughs> get back to you next episode uh but go ahead and give that one a listen with uh, our friend nick uh, our school education and correspondent, correspondent, and science, science correspondent. Uh, this is ASMR. He's a science guy, oh, uh, a science yeah, man. I don't know if you can say science guy anymore. You know, <laughs> we're we're in Seattle, so we're contractually obligated to be fans <laughs> of Bill Nye, the science guy, of formerly of almost live fame here in Seattle before he made it big with uh, his show. Uh, so that brings us to episode 70 something or other. No, did you say eight? 78? 78. Oh, yes. I got you thinking now. Yeah. Uh, we have arrived at 78 and, uh, and it is August of 2019. Uh, our show is almost three years old. It is. I know. That's crazy. I know. That is. That it means is. the man has almost been in office. Yeah. For, for three years. For three years. Wow. We started We started the show with YG's Fuck Trump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and we played like an unedited like long like minute of the song and the intro. Uh, and uh, it's funny where we're at now. Like thinking mm-hmm. that like that was the first sounds people heard. Of how you live in was fuck Donald Trump from right. YG, which I found out features the late Nipsey Hussle. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, oh, he shit. does. He does a solid verse in uh, in that. So all right, shout out and R.I.P. to Nipsey. And, all right, and the, Nipsey and the Hustle world out of SoCal. There. Uh, so here we are, episode seventy-eight. What is on your mind for how you live in this week, Chaz? I don't know. The world is like on fire a little bit. Like, I mean, it's on fire because climate change. I guess I've meant to set up that joke. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess that, uh, I mean, speaking of Bill Nye, that's kind of wasn't that his like tweet? <laughs> it's like the world is on fire. I don't know if that was it exactly. Yeah, I think he did something like that where like he. And the, like Bill Nye, I guess I guess to talk about the riff on Bill Nye real quick, because you know Bill Nye saves the worlds on Netflix. You know, 
if you like the Bill Nye the Science Guy and you basically want the whiskey version of the root beer version he was on Bill Nye the Science Guy, you should watch it. But he is a bit condescending a little bit on it because I think he's a little bit frustrated with our lack of science education, which means like misinformation has permeated through propaganda and all that. So, you know, that's how his frustrations are coming out. But, you know, it's not going to make people think climate change is more true. So it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Bill Nye. His tweet was, what I'm saying is the planet's on fucking fire. (laughs) So uh, good on him. Foaming, 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 former uh, Boeing engineer. That's where he got his start. He's actually not a... uh, a scientist. He's yeah. Officially, <laughs> that is actually a criticism that, uh, like, so <laughs> I mean, it's a dumb criticism because he's a science educator. But like, it's a criticism that some people go like, "Well, no, he doesn't do the science that he's always preaching about." Especially when they try to use that episode where, um, well, actually, they try to use an episode about probability, um, and they were using basically a Punnett square to explain genetics. But then they'll use like this one screenshot from it that was like XX and XY. Like, this is the thing. This is the thing. Like, even he said it back then, right? And it's taken so out of contact. You're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, Bill Nye. I guess Bill Nye is a good predecessor to, you know, the world being the world. Like, you got Hong Kong protests going on. Yeah. Right. Um, and they're uh, continuing to, to use different uh, incredibly modern tactics yeah. to thwart the ability of the police to disperse them. Uh, it's, uh, it's an ongoing struggle. I mean, obviously, with uh, the authoritarian government of China behind uh, the veil of what's going on, um, you know, it's always a nerve-wracking situation for those yeah. provinces to have you know, the eye or the state at the moment, you know, uh, obviously in the nineties, it was the heyday for them. Uh, they made a lot of money. They owned a lot of property. They, they, uh, educated their masses. They gave them kind of a free life. And obviously when Britain pulled out, everything changed, but for the most part, China kind of let them be and, uh, experience those freedoms. And this series of, laws that they want to pass as a like a parliament essentially as a as an independent province uh would align with the authoritarian idea that china has rule over that land yeah and uh you know that that has repercussions in you know the business world the finance world Mm -hmm. because hong kong has been a a center of finance for so long oh yeah it has its own stock exchange and banking and uh you know it's uh you know and it sets up you know manao is right there as well uh, with the gambling and kind of mm-hmm. the culture that's set up there, uh, China could rein in on that. Um, so it it changes a lot of the precedent, and it may even lead to changes to like the, how they deal with Taiwan. Ultimately, oh yeah, you know, um, which you know is in the headlines a lot because Donald Trump recently like tweeted something positive about Taiwan. Oh, interesting. Um, which I you know I'm at the point now where I just don't want a war with China, but like. I think for like the late nineties, I always uh, supported a free Taiwan. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like an idea to me is that, you know, it's an independent free state. Mm-hmm. And um, for a while I thought the UN kind of had sworn to protect it as a member state. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, that's kind of all been changed when China went on the security council. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's uh it's a weird mixed up world and right now on the forefront of that is the demonstrations and uh police action in Hong Kong. Um, you know. 
And it's a fight for the right to freedoms. You know, it's a very relatable feeling and idea that mm-hmm. you get from people when you talk to them here about their passions about independence and freedom when they can actually vocalize it. Yeah, for it's sure. It's the same principles that these guys are fighting for. Uh, they're fighting to to represent um, the ability to have choice and have an open market and free trade and all these things. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, these don't always go well. Yeah, no. You know, around the world, these often end up in larger skirmishes or uh, large civilian casualties. So uh, the world is watching, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, because it's interesting. I heard on a morning report this um, that there was uh, that China is now releasing propaganda around the world on like Twitter and Facebook and everything saying like, you know, what they're doing is good. Like, this is a positive thing that we would go in and do this. So, and I think, uh, I believe it was Twitter took down like a thousand accounts that was spreading that sort of things, but some of those memes are still being spread around. So, so yeah, it's very, it's very interesting to see how China, because we all like, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, when you live in capitalism and you know that a lot of your stuff is built in, in a lot of those countries over there, you you know what certain things need to exist there in order for that to happen. Uh, but, you know, in your everyday life, you don't pay it any mind. You got to eat, you got to work, you got to do shit, right? But when it comes out like this, and you can see how the very authoritative state of China, even though now they're way more capitalist, which, you know, the capitalists here would be like, oh, yeah, that's a good thing now. Now they're able to, like work more for themselves and oh my gosh when they open up the market you'll be able to make money bada bing whatever but um yeah and then and then that somehow could inspire you know small business and enter kind of neighborhood commerce and can create change and then that individualism kind of factors in where Mm -hmm. people get to kind of get a taste of who they are in their neighborhoods when they live there for like a generation yeah you know and get um some authority and ownership over the look of the land and what you see when it's full Chinese communism, you don't really see that as much, you know, maybe in some of the places like Beijing where you're getting this kind of new middle class. Yeah. Definitely not in the rural areas and definitely not even in some of the smaller town and cities where there's kind of uniform design and architecture firms and kind of the money's a little corrupt, you know, and, uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's interesting, and it's interesting that they hold you know the keys to a lot of our debt. You know that that's true. Um, that that whole connection uh, muddies the waters, even to our response to what we're doing in Hong Kong or choosing to not do at the time. I suppose. Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah. I never thought about American intervention there, and you know, and uh, like you were saying, the world on fire. Like, uh, you know, we're simultaneously pulling out of Syria, you know, and we're leaving a vacuum. Uh, well, you know, we're probably going to pull out of Iraq, but we're also leaving a vacuum of support, uh, militarily support, not like direct military on the ground, um, for the, the rebels in Syria that have been holding different places. And so the Turkey's about to cross the border. Oh shit. I didn't even hear about all those. Well, because the Kurd, the Kurdish forces that we've been supporting and the militias that are mostly Kurdish, uh, they're they're written up as a as a terrorist organization to Turkey. Oh, okay. So as soon as you know the border fails, 
or we pull out and then it's just, you know, uh, Assad and them and these this small batch of Kurds, they're just going to mm-hmm. take them out. Oh, shit. Okay. And so, you know, that's been uh, a reality for a while and, and it's starting to... to come to fruition so uh it's 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 going to be a complicated situation to see what happens um between those two forces i mean uh a lot of those countries have have different passions about that like it's kind of something i can't really speak on as far as like the accuracy of who's to blame um i would say that the kurds are one of the largest minorities uh to not have a physical space to occupy Oh, okay. That they occupy um, kind of free land in northern Iraq right now that is, you know, kind of a Kurdistan, but not really. It's not like officially called that or, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. And then you have pockets in um, different other countries of, of that tribe. And they're all different. You know, I think there's Afghan Kurds and um, yeah. And so uh, it, it's easy for some of these larger countries like Turkey that has kind of a mixed faith going on to identify the Kurds as rebel, like terrorist organizations because the tactics they use and like the lands they occupy and uh, a less than traditional thinking in ways. So, uh, but they were our allies in New York in New York, in Iraq. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. The battle of New York uh, with Johnny (laughs) <laughs> who's who's in that wait no it's it's uh gangs of new york okay oh yeah, yeah. That, they, uh, that's about prohibition a, and, and a, all that and then there was a battle for la or whatever last and so yeah they need to make a battle for new york uh shout out to movie producers <laughs> but yeah no it's uh it, it's all complicated you know with that type of you know the border cross and everything like and you know the whole migrant situation is still flooding out of that region and to Europe and then ultimately some of it to, to the United States, uh, you know, and all of this while, uh, we're facing, you know, climate change dilemmas, uh, with water resources being, uh, thinned out, uh, some type of crazy nuclear situation in Russia. Oh yeah. I heard about that. That's like, that's like, uh, it's like replicating some of the response to Chernobyl in the way that they kind of cut off their response and comment about the situation, denial that there is any risk ri- rise in radiation. And then they recently shut off uh, these like nuclear uh, detection outposts that they had set up around the country that oh. just kind of, uh, you know, detected the, the, what was going on in atmospheric conditions, including radiation and radiative r- radioactive particles. And it, uh, they turned off all four of the stations. Yeah, I mean, I think I heard that uh, back in 2018, Putin did his State of the Union. And during that State of the Union, he was talking about uh, various weaponry that they were going to develop. Nuclear-powered cruise missile. Yeah, because I believe, I don't know the name of the treaty, but Trump doing his Trump thing, you know, this week in fake news, as we sometimes like to call it. Um, he got out of a treaty that they had. So for, and I believe it had something to do with nuclear proliferation. Um, and, and so, yeah. And then, well, I guess they didn't really get out of it. Did they get out of it in 2018? I feel like it was sooner than that, but, uh, yeah, they have like an official name and I'd have to locate that in the report, 
but the like CIA USA uh, designation for this project over there is Skyfall. Oh yeah, that's right. The nuclear powered cruise missile program in Russia is called Skyfall. Skyfall. <laughs> uh and uh yeah it's it's supposedly the the idea is that it's a limitless uh nuclear missile because it's got a a power engine on board so Mm -hmm. it's basically like an air sub and it it just exists and can hunt out a target and then probably switch and change to multiple targets yeah you know in different different time and can just fly which I mean, we we had flying nuclear missiles at one point here in America. We had a program where there was always nuclear armament in the air, and the it was a deterrent because it made sure that if even if you like did a massive nuke on the United States, that um, uh, we would have some. You wouldn't know where these airplanes were. Essentially, oh, okay. They could launch, uh, but it ended. Um, sometime it was either between the sixties and probably in the sixties. I think it was one of those short lived programs where they're like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't just be flying nuclear missiles around. Oh yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so I mean, you know, and then Chernobyl was just like that mini series that was really popular, like just last year or a little earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty recent. Uh, and so it's kind of interesting to then have these like very close to that recent headlines, that uh you know kind of mimic that era which we know happened and was a complete like attempted cover-up so um despite you know what the kremlin wants people to believe uh it was a pretty fucked up deal and hurt a lot of people in russia and uh, and abroad, you know, there there was you know cloud that like traveled over like switzerland and stuff it like went pretty far so it had a lot of fallout <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's too easy uh so what else i mean uh, you, more topics that the world is on fire or was there i any- mean uh, well, i guess there's some there's there's the stuff's going on in america as it always does and i guess it could be a quasi callback because we have to ask the question is jay-z canceled now to some people right or like, it, like okay <laughs> i i think yes but i also think jay-z is canceled Less than Michael Jackson is canceled. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I, I, I and do. I think, and I think R. Kelly, to a degree, oh, is canceled no. more than Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because uh-huh. it's like the evidence, and the preponderance of evidence, and having a live witness in him being around, uh, it seems incriminating. Oh, I mean, allegedly. What? <laughs> 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 I just had to say that because it's a podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Never uh, mind. Never yeah. mind. You do you. And then, <laughs> and then Michael Jackson uh, allegedly are some pretty heinous crimes. So obviously if he's completely guilty, but the preponderance of evidence is a little different. Uh, he's still guilty as hell. And then I think Jay-Z is much less than both those gentlemen, but also canceled you know so yeah i mean i don't know we don't need to take the betrayal of his trust of like the fight against police brutality with you know child rape yeah that's what i'm saying but people who cancel people they cancel them it doesn't matter the level of cancellation you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. i'm saying let's not 
I uh, so he bought an NFL team. I like the NFL, so I I'm not necessarily anti that move. Also, black ownership in the league is kind of an well, important. He, he didn't buy a team. Or he bought into a team. He yeah. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Can he, you look that up? Because the story that I heard was that he and Rock Nation are becoming consultants. Like he's the head of the uh, the musical selection process uh, for events, and also doing something with their like social justice. Okay, so he position. passed a hurdle where he is legal. Uh, to buy a share or any amount of share of a, any league, uh, any of the flan- flagship franchises. Oh, okay, interesting. So, so he it, part of the agreement is that he enters the the fray of people that are qualified to own stakes in the teams, oh, which ultimately okay. could own teams. Okay, know? okay, yeah. So, so the, there is a degree to that, and so what I'm I. You know, it, it is a Rock Nation affiliation that that kind of gets the door open. But, you know, there's other steps there. It's kind of like how Drake doesn't really own uh, the Toronto Raptors, but he kind of might as well. And so what do they do? They call him the ambassador of the team. So he's like Mm -hmm. their front man of their existence as a squad and representing Toronto. And actually, Joey Badass is that for um, New York or the Brooklyn Nets. And then uh, I think to a degree, you could say Meek Mill is the uh, the rep and ambassador for the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's, there's uh, you know, there's important stakes here. Obviously, the NFL has a large group of people who are mad at it. You know, uh, see last episode and Nick uh, <laughs> just before I did a story about how I was stoked about hard knocks. Uh, people aren't <laughs> thrilled with the reputation of the NFL. And I get that. But I also say that, uh, the ownership groups and the things that we don't really like, you know, with the proper kind of channeling of our of our uh, like information, we can conduct change. We can actually have them change. We've seen them change. We've seen changes to the league. We've seen we've seen denial of change in certain areas, and that's what people are like arguing about. But there is a potential for change. And on top of that, uh, the list is a more minority stake in the earnings of the people who are playing, and and that might start leading to you know, more equal uh, ownership on the part of the players, you know, and to their bodies and their schedule. And, um, you know, you may see a lot of, like, shakeup about that. Um, I I honestly see the team, the number of players on the team expanding. And so if you end up expanding the length of the season, uh, teams have to alternate quarterbacks like baseball teams alternate pitchers. And so you'd start to see different layers of a team, different games, in order to conduct a longer season. I could see that happening. And that would help add the idea for expansion. Because you have to have a longer season, you can add more teams, you can get more games, you can kind of like uh, have more crossover of the teams playing each other. Um, and I, I could see the you know, ownership needs to change. Their connection to the players need to change. I think that's tied in with how college football is a basically an unpaid minor league for the NFL. Yeah, that's the NCAA's ruling. Right, but it's a partnership that the NFL really likes mm-hmm. because it makes their business lucrative because they can offer kids who've been doing this their whole life the first chance to get paid. One could say that a few would get paid as professional college players and then would go on to other enterprises. 
And it, that kind of the al- NCAA allows that. Right. Right. And so that is tied in with kind of how contracts are built in the NFL and the, the weight of your placement in the draft, for instance, has so much weight on the number of zeros in your check. Um, and where you went to college often has kind of placement on your ranking. So your draft number goes up uh, if you play at a bigger school that has a harder schedule and things like that. But then outside of that, obviously the politics, the perspective on this is this is going against the Colin Kaepernick and company, you know, Eric Reed. There were so many people that took a knee during those seasons and as well as the possible barment of participation for Kaepernick, uh, depending on who you talk to, if he was offered uh, too small of salaries from some NFL teams that did offer him a job, but it was below what he considered since he played in a Super Bowl and was like a, a winning quarterback at one point, uh, lower than what he should be offered. Uh, I've heard he's been offered positions in other leagues that he's also turned down, but um, it, it's you know that's tied into the kneeling is how they treated him after it and mm-hmm. the expression of players on the field which right now is definitely limited and so i could see why people like nick you know are like turned off from a sport because it's starting to uh kind of promote this more authoritarian front that you know we're not to be messed with uh you know a court throughout the brady case but then they find him anyway because they're a private organization and so mm-hmm. he had to sit games anyway a year after the fact of deflate gate uh, uh so there's definitely this rule of law coming from the nfl as an organization uh i think having people like jay-z dynamic kind of entrepreneurial types and people from a different background entering the nfl could spark some of the change that's necessary uh, the league itself was founded by um, some very influential owners. Um, one could say we wouldn't have the NFL Football League as we know it without Lamar Hunt and Al Davis. And their adaption to the AFC, when the AFC was uh, actually the AFL, and they um, were, you know... Uh, prosperous and they uh-huh. and they had a run and gun type of uh approach to like passing was more dynamic and the rules were were built for for a lot of big plays and so they took a chunk they're the first entity. okay entity. um yeah I, I think we're getting a little away from the subject just so, talking about football now though but no hold on so oh. they're the first entity to compete against the monopoly that is the nfl so the only time you've seen the NFL bow down to any other organization or culture uh, in such large numbers was the merger years against the AFL because the AFL was actually winning in smaller markets mm. and and proving that you know football was popular anywhere and putting it on TV and having these quarterbacks that were just throwing for all these yards. Uh, those owners, when they went to the NFL had the NFL adopt a bunch of their rules if they were going to participate. And mm-hmm. a lot of that led later to like free agency and, and more yield to the players because Lamar Hunt and Al Davis were guys that actually cared about the players that played for them. And they, 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 if you look at like the 1970s and 80s Raiders or the 1960s and 70s um, Kansas City Chiefs, you see teams that have dynamic 
um, personality and their ability to talk about political issues even at that time. So, one, you know, those guys pass away and there's new ownership groups and the way business in America works, mm-hmm. those ownership groups become faceless, monolithic corporations. They hold a standard. They have a corporate control and standard model. They're teamed up with Roger Goodell and they impart that vision against any type of um, what would seem like contradiction. So the kneeling to them was contradiction to their like unity of a program. It's like showing this individual thing, which if you look at basketball or baseball, how they've conducted themselves with it, they just let it happen. Mm-hmm. And if it's speaking a truth, then that truth can be understood. If people find it offensive, you know, that's, that's with that person, you know, you can't like, I'm like, I don't know how to explain to them that it's not an offensive act at this point. You know, I feel, oh, yeah. I feel like those facts are on the table and they're still like, I just don't like it, you know? So with all that in mind, what I'm saying is, it, yeah, sure. Cancel the NFL. And then they, they close all these things. And then, you know, there was a lot of, uh, impact that that would have on different communities too. So there are some negative influential prosperity type things that are, happening currently with the nfl so if you cancel it completely it's not a totally negative organization in its spirit it's highly negative when you're talking about its ability for its player members to be free speech oriented political activists that is by far one of its big, biggest achilles heels if not that and the uh ignorance about head trauma and mm-hmm. how they allowed that to become kind of a sideline issue until it literally had you know famous hall of famers killing themselves mm-hmm. so uh the league has blemishes and i'm not going to cancel the league yet i'm not going to cancel jay-z but i understand why people would and um i i would hold out to say disney's still around and we've been talking shit about disney for 50 years the nfl has been around for 100 as of this year mm-hmm. they're not going anywhere so there is some like if you want to cancel it you turn it off that's fine it's still going to be there um you know uh, Jay Z, he's had what nine number one albums or something. I mean, the guy's also not going to go away. So no, I mean, it's it's not the point of canceling things this isn't to make them go away, or at least, at least in this case, like I think is more people are very disappointed at, and it feels very hypocritical for Jay Z to do this because he's spoken out against the NFL. He's even rapped about how he doesn't need the NFL, the NFL needs him. But I guess I don't maybe this is some quasi version of that where they were like, Hey, maybe you should come in and do this and right. we'll give you these concessions. And I did see an interview with him uh, with uh what's it called? Charlemagne the God and he asked him, like, You've spoke out against this, why would you do this? Um, and then basically he says, and you can either take this in like a cocky way or just him thinking this is where it needs to go next. He's like, he thinks the time paraphrasing it that he thinks the time for kneeling is done. Um, and it's time for action and this is the action he wants to take. So, so, but learning that he gets a stake in one of the flagship, uh, enterprises, it's, it better be the, let's see, the Dallas Cowboys are bust. Yeah. Because the Dallas Cowboys are, I think, the only team in the NFL that has a billion-dollar cap. Um, 
and like economically speaking if they let him into that that's in texas right like it's where okay it's it's where uh well b i believe is from houston right right and i mean you could get the houston texans but i mean he's got money he's a right so i mean i he's always rep new york right like i feel like giants or jets probably giants he feels like a giants guy to me yeah you can get the giants i want i still want gary vaynerchuk to buy the jets like i'm still yeah like gary vaynerchuk you know fan of nipsey russell friends with nipsey nipsey hustle you hate the giants though obviously i don't hate the giant okay hold up so the philadelphia eagles hate (laughs) the dallas cowboys Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. Let, let, let me let, let me roll that back. Let me go into a mode where I'll talk about football for a second. Uh, yeah, because if you know about football, you know the NFC East, it's the Eagles, that team in Washington, <laughs> the New York Giants, and the Dallas Cowboys, and everyone in that in that whole region hates each other. Right. Like it is like a four way, you know, orgy rivalry or whatever uh so but i only say like i'm saying so basically my criticisms of jay-z would be jay-z's being a capitalist and if one of these moves is to gain leverage to get into a high stake team i mean you can rep your city but nigga go where the money is right so yeah that's what i'm saying go to the dallas cowboys yeah yeah and i mean you know i mean his partnerships have been interesting in the past you know his ownership stake in the Brooklyn Nets was finalized because oh, uh, the Russian guy that was buying it at the time, the the oil oligarch, oh shit, Mikhail something, uh, Popperov. Uh, I, I don't follow that yeah, enough to know. Yeah, he bought it like ten years ago now. Oh shit! And they built an arena in Brooklyn, uh, the Barclays Center, mm. and like revitalized it or changed uh, uh, an area of Brooklyn um and uh and and put together a pretty winning team i mean it's had up down years mm-hmm. but it's got a real following and uh and yeah they they moved the the nets from new jersey to brooklyn yeah and he also got an arena deal and jay-z was a part of that and yeah. so uh you know part of me is like maybe he's interested in doing that obviously right now the jets and giants play in a very large stadium in metlife but they share it so how does that work yeah it's this they never can have a home game on the same day you know that is weird yeah so uh i mean this you know it's definitely harder than thinking like the staples center becomes you know la clippers or it becomes la lakers uh an entire football stadium and like the banners and everything mm-hmm. yeah the vibe yeah is altered and they do occasionally play each other and it's it's alternates <laughs> uh yeah you know whose bannership uh gets the uh the call as the home team uh and then that also is who is employed there in at the time so you have you know the voice of the giants isn't the same as the voice for the jets oh my gosh <laughs> you know wow that that's that's too much that's Sharing a stadium, I guess, like, in Philadelphia, we're spoiled because, you know, the Phillies have their own stadium. Um, The Eagles have their own stadium. Uh, And then, basically, the Flyers and the 76ers share a stadium. Okay. And then we have a bunch of minor league teams, like like AA. Like, we have a hockey team, a lacrosse team, an indoor soccer team. 
right? Yeah. So so and, yeah. And they got the Philadelphia Union, which is in the uh, major league soccer. Oh, see, I didn't even realize we got yeah. like they they came there after I left. So you know. Yeah, yeah. I I want to say I, they might have came just after the Timbers. I want to say, or they were just before. Okay. It was like might have been yeah, 2010, and then I think the Timbers and the Vancouver. Uh, Whitecaps came in in 2011. But, uh, yeah, it's... uh, So, yeah, final thoughts on Jay-Z. I guess now that you explain that he's getting like that, that, like, the capitalist in me is like, I understand, dog. You get your money. Right? (laughs) Like, but, you know, the person, the the progressive lefty in me is like, eh, yeah, I see people's criticisms of you, and I understand why they upset. But if he's playing a long game, like you saying, and, you know, he's trying to, if he can get in like if he i don't know if he's gonna he won't well he could hire he could hire colin kaepernick yeah if they gets if he gets the job done in the next two years colin could have a year he could just hire him and then even if he's the backup quarterback Mm because maybe there's a younger skilled guy at the role uh he would be you know an ambassador of the sport because he would be able to be like you guys have a platform Mm -hmm. you know perform on the field and and for him at that point kaepernick would be a leader so it'd be like show your leadership skills and on the field, and I will allow you to use this soapbox and platform for your own political advantage, you know, to a degree, because obviously, like, everyone in business with you is going to restrict some of that free speech to mm-hmm. a degree, because they don't want to... Oh, I mean, yeah, free speech only applies to the government. Private yeah. organizations can do whatever. Like... Yeah, because, and I mean, ultimately, uh, it would be great if it wasn't like that, but, you know, the bottom line is at stake, you know, and they can't have certain things muddy the waters. Yeah, and that's why capitalism is a fuck up. But yeah. you know, right? Yeah, mm. I know because it puts money <laughs> at the heart of the issue, mm-hmm. and not people or uh, you know life advantage. Um, For sure. So, but oh, what I was gonna say is, I guess another avenue is uh, like maybe to look deeper into it. Um, if they're saying that he gets uh, a stake in the larger ones, like I don't know if that means like a big stake or a small stake or something, but if he can find in not necessarily an underperforming team, but a team that he can get majority stake in for cheap, I wonder if they will allow him to do that. Because then that would probably give him more control over the team in and of itself, rather than just you know. Because they could say like, yeah, you can buy majority stake into it, but they can probably say like, I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys, like they're worth like billions of dollars. He might only get two percent stake in that. That's that's. I I yeah. think I think it would be a higher stake. I think he's definitely negotiated his way to mm-hmm. a large stake, if not perhaps a majority owner. Um, that's probably not that hard for a lot of teams. Um, I think like the Seattle ownership group is mostly Paul Allen now with Judy Allen, but mm-hmm. I think there's some other money there maybe. And then um, yeah, there's different different teams have like those. Uh, those kind of corporate ownership groups that are like, if you buy into the chairman of the board, you become like the largest stakeholder or something. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. Uh, obviously, you know, cancel culture is interesting and, um, Mm -hmm. it's when used appropriately, uh, it's effective. Um, I definitely think that it's such a popular verbiage now that people are a little quick to like jump to the cat cancel button. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, we're here, you know, we're hearing about it more and more. And what we're going to end up seeing is we're going to hear more quote unquote comebacks mm-hmm. of people who really like I, the phrasing I was using earlier never really went away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But we're going to see it because um, of it. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's taboo topics. You know, yeah. I mean, like when the Colin Kaepernick thing happened, I remember I had friends who saying, like, if you watch the NFL, uh, you know, unfriend me off of Facebook or something like that. Right. So, like, it is definitely charged, and I listened to a thing from uh, Sean King, who, like, he was really upset, and then I know, um, I don't know what Kaepernick said, but he clapped back a little bit, too, so, you know, there are people who thought, like, I guess Jay-Z was an ally, and this feels like a betrayal. Does does Kaepernick want people to not watch the NFL? I don't know. I would presume yes, but I don't know for sure. But he wants to chop with it. I don't know if that's true. I don't think he necessarily wants people to not watch the NFL. Well, yeah. Mm. I think he wants the NFL to change their policies and also admit wrongdoing um, in the era that he was there. And well, I mean, I guess I guess at the beginning all he was doing was bringing awareness to police brutality. Right. And then because he brought awareness to police brutality, they blackballed him. We would right allegedly right. At i this mean point. but I yeah. Mean, yeah yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i mean even roger grew will say like no we didn't blackball them anybody could hire them anytime they want but like you know it's effectively being blackballed right right because uh, you know and i guess i don't know the whole details about how much he was getting offered from those other people but you know yeah right like his like definitely his stats say otherwise like he's not a shitty player right so right i mean but but there were okay the devil's advocate on that there were players with better stats that were taking smaller contracts than he was offered so okay interesting uh, yeah yeah um you know i mean there is a point to be made that for him a substantial payout would be the only win in order to basically say that the team had bought into um his movement essentially and said no we support you wholly here's 20 million a year whereas if he accepted 12 million a year which is like a mediocre bench player to a good quarterback ish salary it would look like a loss for the movement because it would look like it was possibly a play for money which would really like cut into what he was oh yeah trying to do oh definitely so so there was a lot of high stakes there and i think that's why he also would have turned down the xfl and the cfl which Mm -hmm. i totally don't disagree with first of all the games are going to be different they're played different yeah and the level of status is different and they can't afford you anyway Mm -hmm. so i understood that um you know and i don't know the exact numbers he was offered and it might have been ridiculously low and, you know, the argument might have been made that, you know, aging player stats weren't quite where you're at. But obviously, if he had continued playing, it, uh, he would probably still be in the league, you know. And uh, if the league had taken a different approach, <laughs> had allowed the statement to be made. Yeah. We would be sitting in a much different world right now as yeah. far as the impression of the NFL and its fandom. And oh, for sure. Yeah. Cause I think when we talked about this before, we said basically their, their customer base would look at it and say, no, we ain't about this life. Right. Right. And then they would have boycotted them. And then they felt, because we've seen what people do when Keurig, you know, removes their advertisements from a Fox news show. 
right? One could, you know, surmise that it would be that times 1,000, right? So so I can definitely, like, even when I said it back then, I understood their reasons. That's just a criticism, and I can personally choose not to bang with it anymore because of such. And it's still going to exist, right? People are going to, like, people still watch it, right? You know, and black people still watch it. Everyone's still, like, you know, for some people, it wasn't enough of a, you know, I don't bang with y'all anymore moment, right? But, like, eh, I don't know if it undercuts it to say I didn't really bang with the NFL like that to begin with. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, since we spent such a large amount of time talking about football, I'm going to do a quick run through my light topic. Uh, Light topic today is celebrating and just saying hey to the Little League World Series. Uh, Oh, crap. That's happening again in PA? Where we're, uh, yeah, it's in uh, Pennsylvania at, uh, I had the name earlier. Um, oh, I always forget where it happens. Like, I want to say Collegeville, but, you know, I think that's wrong. Um, but it uh, arrives in Pennsylvania, and it's teams from all over the United States and also teams from all over the world. And uh, they all converge to play a tournament and uh, ultimately one gets crowned champion in a real-world series, one could say, because the entire world is involved. Oh, yeah. Um, and so they uh, they they have... The reason I want to celebrate it is because, first of all, no one's getting paid, which, you know, is my uh, problem with college baseball, but the game is much different at this level. Uh, they're, they're played to six innings. Um, there's mercy rules. And um, there's uh, a more of a celebration of team camaraderie and sportsmanship. Like teams will sometimes cry when they lose because, you know, it's so emotional. But sometimes teams will celebrate the other team's victory and be like, man, we all had a really good season. Like, good luck, you know. And that team, you know, uh, in the final is, you know, some U.S. squad versus some uh, foreign country. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then there's some other, like, exhibition games that occur when teams kind of lose out, and there's a loser's bracket because it's a double elimination. Oh, nice. And women are allowed to play with the boys. Yes, sir. Boys and girls, women and men. You know, they're young men, young women. Uh, and, you know, this year uh, we had uh, a female pitcher playing for a team, and uh, I think they were coming out of uh, Virginia. And, uh, you know, they lost. But, um, you know, she got to play on the field. She got to play. She pitched. And I don't know if you remember uh, Moni Davis a few years back. Um, I mean, I know of it, but I don't follow it when it happens. And she was a really good kind of lights-out pitcher. And I think they went to the semifinals. So oh, okay. she, she took them on a real run. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, I like the integrity uh, level of the sport at that point Mm -hmm. that they're playing it for game's sake. Uh, there's not as much risk of injury on the line because, uh, they play shorter games and, um, you know, it's a slower game. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the coaches really kind of influence their behaviors and stuff and even for like some international coaches like the japanese coach and things are renowned for their ability to 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 create these uh very sophisticated and formal teams 
but they're all still kids and they're all still like enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's become a, a, a an incredible tournament of skill. Mm. You know, where some of these teams that are formed um, really play well together. They complement each other's um, stats, and uh, it's really fun to watch. And yeah, shout out to to some kids having fun in Pennsylvania. I think it's Williamsport. It is Williamsport. Uh, as a reminder, I just it just clicked into my head. Uh, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, not to be confused with Omaha, Nebraska, which hosts <laughs> the College World Series. Oh, interesting. Uh, annually, and then of course the Major World Series is split between the top teams. Uh, but yeah, so shout out to the Little League World Series, and uh, you know there's a great documentary on the Thirty for Thirty series about the team from Kirkland, Washington, and uh, there's also. Um, you know some uh some good teams from maybe where you're from so check out the history of your area you know because these teams that make these brackets come from all over the country as well Mm -hmm. as all over the world so uh if you're listening to this you know find out where your top ranked little league team is and how far they've gone uh you know while you're while you've canceled the nfl (laughs) enjoy some little league uh yeah that to be said i did want to create a character of a guy who's like a uh degenerate kind of gambler guy Uh uh-huh but his only vice is that he bets too much money on the little league world series (laughs) (laughs) so it's like this character that's just drunk at bars yelling about 12 year olds on the tv oh lord (laughs) everyone in the bar is like you're the worst uh yeah so that's the uh the end of (laughs) that's how i bookend (laughs) that lovely tale uh, a little comedy about a degenerate gambler, you know. Uh, I can't believe Italy threw that game. I lost ten thousand dollars. <laughs> ten thousand dollars in Italy, in the Italy World Series. Goddamn, dude. I know. I know. That, that's so much money. What's the last uh, bit of information you want to leave for our listeners before we get out of here? Because uh, yeah, we should talk about Julian Castro a uh, little bit. Yeah, drop in. Uh, yeah. So Julian Castro, he's interesting because uh, um. So let's see. Uh, I didn't look up all his like you know basic information. Like I know he's from El Paso, Texas. I know he was the mayor there. And then in the last two years of uh, Obama's administration, he was the HUD secretary. Okay. Uh, so a lot of his policies are basically based around that. That his life story is that he is an immigrant that came up with his family um, after his mother's parents died, and I believe they stayed with her sister. And and then he, you know, went to public school, worked his way up to I don't know what his previous life experience is. But he ends up going to Stanford. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So and then later to Harvard Law. Yeah. So he he's like, you know, in a lot of ways, you can say he's that quintessential immigration story. The one that America wants to paint, the one that uh, basically dramatizations present to you as the sort of thing that people want. But I also say that because it, it's I believe it responds to the core of his um, policies and some uh, and what he talks about. So. Like, a lot of times when we've talked about people, uh, I guess we've talked about kind of their um, their flagship plan. And like he said at both debates, he wants to decriminalize crossing the border illegally. Um, or, I, I, okay, sorry. Um, I always had to remember if it's decriminalized totally or just make it a misdemeanor. And because right now the whole 
the legislation that's there now is either it can be a criminal act or a misdemeanor act. He wants to get rid of the criminal aspect of it because he talks a lot about, you know, compassionate, uh, compassion at the border and that the current administration is doing things through cruelty and okay. a lot of people aren't seeing that cruelty. So that's where like on his website, cause he, um, in a lot of the interviews that I've seen with him, he points people to his website um but yeah so he and a lot of the things that basically the dream act was supposed to do um he's a fan of like you know a roadmap to citizenship um let's see revamping the visa system uh there's also some things that i didn't really know like terminate the three and ten year bars uh it says which required undocumented individuals who otherwise qualify for legal status to leave the united states and their families behind for years before becoming citizens so yeah um and then yeah there's other things like get rid of ice like it, it's a it's a lot of good stuff um oh the thing that i was talking about earlier is repealing section uh, 1325 of the immigration and nationality act and that's what allows for like separations of children and everything like that so like if, if the immigration is one of your biggest issues that I definitely think he's the biggest advocate for it out of all of those running right now. Right. And I think his advocacy is wonderful. And I also think that people who want to take a cogent and compassionate view on immigration there should probably borrow his policies. Um, I think the other big thing that he talks about that I think is important to people is uh, housing. Uh, and one of the things that I heard in multiple of his interviews let's see and right now in comparison to some of the other people we've talked about in yang and gabbard he's hovering around that 1.5 two percent margin indeed in the polls right now mm -hmm. <clears throat> so still relevant but needs to get some steam going for the main nomination but still a candidate uh and yeah to sum up what you said earlier booty egg is right around five percent so yeah I, I did. Funny enough, one of my friends was like, someone teach Mikkel to say Buttigieg. Buttigieg? Buttigieg? <laughs> oh, Buttigieg. Uh, We're just going to uh, call him Booty Butt Cheeks Fokker, now. <laughs> Young, Gobert, Kostro, Klobuchar, <laughs> Slayer, uh, William Man, and Bowden, and uh, Warrer. <laughs> and sando oh my goodness sin but <coughs> the other thing uh was housing harris uh, <laughs> call back All yes. right, the housing uh so his housing uh stuff is interesting because he wants to turn housing vouchers into an entitlement program and he wants to give vouchers to anyone who makes uh 50 under that area's uh medium income uh, because, you know, if you look everywhere in America, it seems, uh, um, basically housing inequality, people not being able to pay for their homes and things like that is happening in all sorts of places. And like speaking on kind of like the money thing, um, he also talks about, you know, $15 minimum wage, um, at a minimum, but he, what he wants to do is index it every year. So you don't have to go to Congress in order to change it and that way it stays dynamic with the economy and doesn't become stagnant that you have to revisit it every time and in all my deep dives i've done so far he is the first person to talk like that and i'm just like that that is where it's at that's the policy like personally i think you should be making 
that way if you want to be fair and you wanted to understand it and you want people to be able to actually make a living wage it needs like you know uh, minimum wage needs to follow the rate of increase with inflation so so yeah i really like him on that so you know julian castro he's he's almost at stand level i mean right now i'm kind of like I wonder if I think front runners should adapt his uh, policies. Uh, actually, I do think they should adapt some of his policies, especially the immigration ones. Um, but yeah. So whoever leads, uh, maybe one of those dark horse uh, uh, vice president candidates, if uh, someone in the lead at this point ends up getting a nomination, uh, but definitely um, a position player. Oh yeah, for if, sure. If uh, if someone does get elected, and perhaps uh, on top of part of the leadership that leads an immigration reform. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I could see that vision, and you know, uh, time will tell how long he. You know, he's got the little more staying power because he's got a little more visibility than some of those other lower candidates. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, Yang has has Julian Castro been on Joe Rogan Experience? <laughs> No, I think there's only been three people on the Joe Rogan experience right now, and that's Tulsi Gabbard, um, Andrew Yang, and uh, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and I also, like, an interesting about those three is, like, from what I know, the kind of approach they're trying to take to the whole thing, it makes sense that they went on there because they understand what his, like, view or listenership is like. And I know they're trying to appeal to individuals of that listenership, so. I feel like Warren or how do you say it? Buttigieg? Uh, Buttigieg. Yeah. I'm saying it. Tell that guy to fuck off. Uh, no. <laughs> it was a no. woman, but oh. yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's cool. <laughs> Just kidding. You didn't have to identify her. It's funny because I'm making fun of an anonymous person. Right. I uh, know, but well, she told me you... she listens, right? Oh, well, that's good. She, she could listen. Don't, <laughs> don't fuck off. I could edit this and you wouldn't even have heard me say fuck off. But now that I've already said it again, I'm going to leave it in. But just know from my heart, you shouldn't fuck off. But uh, I can't say Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Buttigieg. It's a tough name. It's it's legitimate a tough name. But he could go on, uh, I think he could go on Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah, no. I definitely think that, like, I, I think I mentioned this before about, you know, using different media platforms based in the space that we're at to do like to go to where you need to because i know that andrew yang has a min max sort of thing where he's trying to get seven like he's just trying to get seventy thousand votes in iowa and seventy thousand votes here so i think the way he's trying to min max his campaign even though he only has two percent of the support right now right to be honest with you that's probably in the, uh, like an indication of like who he's appealing to and also that he is kind of still a one-trick pony where everything $1,000 a month is supposed to fix. And so, so yeah. And then I definitely see, like, Tulsi. Tulsi's on Fox News a lot. Right. right? And so, like, seeing her from that angle um, I, and the fact that, you know, being anti-war there makes sense. And I think that's her big thing because uh, she basically p- supports all the other progressive stuff which is good um but yeah she's always big anti-war because she was in the war and you know she appeals to that base as well too so so and yeah bernie bernie crushed it oh yeah no he, he did he crushed it and he was only there for an hour and he was just like yeah yeah i got, I got things to say mm-hmm. <laughs> joe i'm glad you brought it up it's shows like this that are why america could get behind this we got to get this president out of office He's terrible. 
No, yeah, yeah, and like that that's the whole reason why people wanted Bernie to go up against Trump the first time around because he was actually the person who's kind of doing the things that Tulsi is doing, doing the things that Andrew Yang is doing, is going to the people in the states that are having the problems and listening to their problems and then trying to come up with effective effective strategies and policies to actually deal with those problems. Uh, and so and I think, you know, the the reason why I like doing deep dives on all the candidates is I feel like to be honest with y'all, we need the Voltron this shit, right? Like, I got you. Like, I'm not saying people are like, no, I want to vote for the blue line. No, I want to vote <laughs> for the yellow line. Nah, fool, I want to vote for motherfucking Voltron, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're not even doing the cat Voltron. <laughs> We're gonna do the mechanized Voltron. <laughs> so suck it, cat lovers. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, both Voltrons were pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, well. Uh, we've we've arrived at the end of the show, guys. Uh, what we've learned we've learned a lot about Julio Castro. I think he should go on JRE. I think. Uh, oh yeah, all of them should. All of them should. Uh, and according to uh, you know the Bill Maher method, all these candidates and these Democratic spokespeople should go on Fox News and <clears throat> at least just have that point of view and rational thought. Oh yeah. Uh, go yeah, out. Pete Buttigieg went on uh, Fox News or. Not Fox News, but um, he had a town hall. And also, and just to let y'all know, uh, because we're about to enter the value extraction portion of our podcast, I want—I stole that from Peter Coffin. Don't hate me, Peter Coffin. I think he hates you. I think <laughs> he's telling you to fuck off. <laughs> it's a callback. Brick see? joke. It's funny now. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh. Yeah, so it is. What's your what do you so what's your part for the stealing thing from from David? <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, oh, Peter, Peter just says at the end of every one of his videos, this is the value extraction of a portion of our podcast cuz he's a super leftist. He's oh. always doing critiques about capitalism. So, this is also our value extraction portion of the podcast where we tell you where to follow us. We tell you to ask us to like us on, you know, all of the platforms that we're on so you know that people have more visibility towards us right so um, which is funny because i was about to tell them that they could get a hold of me on twitter at <laughs> c-town mayor because i'm helping your municipality on the coast i'm also available at the email box for our show here which is h-y-l-b-o-x at gmail.com holy cow folks we have a gmail and that's what it is uh send us a letter give us a topic Offer to be a Skype guest. Obviously, our uh, Discord thing didn't work because, you know, we have no control over that. But maybe we'll get you guys on Discord. We'll set up before the show, and we'll give you, like, five minutes. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but for now, reach out to us on Twitter. Where can they get a hold of you, Chaz the Man? Uh, you can find me Chaz Bass on Instagram. Uh, you can find me as Chaz Bass on Twitter. But I'm not really about that life too much. So, I mean, you can send me an instant message, and I might not see it, like, eh, but you know uh the life of a podcast but anyway um uh i always i always cut in and do this because i always forget to do this but you know i said julian castro was next the last time we did it and the person i'm going to do next well i actually got my next two people um it is Kristen gillibrand and then after that is going to be bill de blasio uh and then i think that'll be pretty close to the september debates uh and then we can kind of readjust uh because i guess in those debates we're also going to have um somebody we haven't really looked at is our other man beto o'rourke um i don't know where he's going to be at but you know you know he might do he might do his thing he he, he's there 
But anyway, that does it for the episode. Thank you for listening, y'all. Yeah, uh, enjoy. Give us a holler. Uh, this has been fun, Chaz. Of course. Always a pleasure, Mikkel. All right, and peace. Peace. Put a couple niggas in a place. Really just lapped every nigga in a race. I really might tap realest nigga on my face. Lil CC, let it slap with the bass. I used to save hoes with a mask in a cave. Now I'm like, nah, love, I'm good, go away. Ain't about to die with no money I done gave you.